This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 Knows. Today, I sat down with entrepreneur, mother of four, Michelle Walrath. We really didn't know what we were doing. We had the, we had the chef for about three weeks after the day we opened our doors, and he's like, it was June, and he's like, I got to get to the Hamptons. My restaurant is just in dire need. And we, we were like, okay. So I was the juicer and the smoothie maker and the cashier and the manager. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. Thank you, as always, for being here. We've got Michelle Walrath coming at you. I'm psyched for you to hear that conversation. Um, before we get there, uh, I want to do a little acknowledgement here. Um, I really love all of the iTunes reviews. Thank you guys for leaving them. We're starting to compile a lot of them, and it actually does help us with the visibility of the show. Uh, I'm just going to pick out the most recent one from October 9th, 2019, so very recent. Five-star review. It says, you might as well start listening now, which is awesome. Uh, This is by Solitary Fan. He or she says, you might as well start listening now because sooner or later, every one of us lands in a situation that forces them to look for guidance, encouragement, wisdom, some form of support from someone they can trust who has been in the trenches. Matt Del Negro is the person you'll want to listen to. Boom. Wow. That is awesome. I really appreciate that, Solitary fan. Very cool. Um Guys, it may seem like nothing to you to do that. It takes you, you know, two minutes or whatever. It actually means a ton to us. Uh, I don't know how you consume your podcast, but I know when someone tells me about something, kind of, I mean, this is kind of terrible to admit, but I think one of the first things I do is I go to iTunes and if I see that it's got like, you know, two reviews, I'm like, oh, it's not really been around for very long or people aren't listening, people aren't swayed by it. And so it, you know, if it's someone that I know is highly recommending it, I will go listen anyway. But I do think that it really helps if you go there and you see, you know, a ton of reviews and they're all like that one. I think it it makes you more likely to give it a shot. So uh, really, really appreciate that. Um, Something else I want to mention, I've talked about it the last couple of weeks, the 10,000 Nose store at 10,000nose.com better be up and running by the time you're listening to this. Uh, We're going to have hats and t-shirts available there. Uh, Eventually, we'll have some other stuff as well. But right now, that's what we've got. We may have this ebook that I wrote, which will be like five bucks. Um, It comes from uh, kind of derived from a a speech that I gave at Kathy Heller's event in 2018, and it kind of got some good feedback. So I put it into an ebook. and the the hat I'm literally wearing a hat right now. There's no excuse. The shipment, the the goods are in uh, in our possession, and the store is hopefully live by the time you're hearing this. So go check it out. That's a way to support the show as well, and we appreciate it. Those proceeds go toward 
continuing to give you guys uh, great free content every week. It's it's a lot of work. It's a labor of love, but it is a lot of work. So thank you for considering that. Maybe, you know, holidays are coming up. Think about giving a gift. The back of the shirt says failure is opportunity. I think that's kind of a cool thing to be saying in this day and age when everybody is trying to skip through failure. And I actually think that's where you do the most learning. So uh, consider that. Truly appreciate it. And tell your friends about it. One more tiny bit of housekeeping is, uh, you know that we do the show notes every episode. We have links to the guests' uh, various endeavors. If they have a book, it's going to be a link in the show notes. If they have, like Michelle today has uh, Organic Crush, these restaurants, there will be links. So you could go check out the website and see more of what it is. Um, I'll have links to all of the films that she has executive produced, these great documentaries, really, really um, she's involved with some powerful things. What I am doing now, those links will be, uh, I became a member of this Amazon influencer program, uh, really like over a half a year ago and just have never done anything with it. So here it is. If you're shopping on Amazon anyway, this doesn't really affect you. You will pay the exact same amount, but, uh, and some of you are probably already doing this, um, for maybe your kid's school or something where they get like two cents for everything that you buy. Uh, we all shop for everything on Amazon, at least my family does. If you want to support the podcast, I mean, it literally, it's not going to be a lot. It'll be, you know, some jump change, but it's something, uh, if you go to amazon.com slash shop slash Matty Dell, M-A-T-T-Y-D-E-L. What I will do is, for example, today, Michelle has all of these films that you can go rent on Amazon or where I believe they're actually on Amazon uh, Prime Video. But if they were somewhere else, it doesn't matter. I will put them, the links to those in I will put it under this Amazon.com, this influencer program, my my page. And what I'm going to do is we're going to go through all of the past guests. So any books that have been discussed on this podcast, anything, any products that any of these guests have, that is the goal for me is I'm basically introducing you to people that I think are doing really cool things in the world that I want you to support. I want you to know them. I want you to be aware and I want you to go buy their stuff and, and, and support them and what they are doing. Um, and not just to, you know, put money in their pockets, but because I actually believe that these things are good for the world. I mean, you're going to hear about Michelle's story today, but we've also had, you know, over a hundred people here, all, I think, uh, decent people who are, um, putting good into the world. So it's amazon.com slash shop slash Maddie Dell. And then I'll have different sections there. You can go in and see stuff that I suggest. You could see these guests things. And it really, it, even if you go there first and then you shop from there, apparently it kicks back to the podcast. So if you can do that, that's awesome. If you can, and it seems complicated, you know, don't worry, but it really is. I'll, that link will be in the show notes and the links. Okay, here we go. Michelle Walrath is the co-founder of Organic Crush, which is a restaurant chain which started in Long Island, four locations, two days before we had our conversation in New York. They opened a fifth location in Richmond, Virginia. And really what I want you to pay attention to in this interview is the derivation of Michelle's businesses. Uh, Right now, it's the restaurants, but she also has executive produced all of these films. And 
all of them come from growing up in a big family. Food was central. Uh, her, as she got older, she started to study health and then she had kids. And really it's all from wanting to protect her kids and keep her kids healthy. And these businesses have blossomed from that desire. And I just think it's a really great example that it doesn't have to be rocket science. It's just, if you have an interest and you follow that string of inspiration, as I've talked about on the show in all different contexts, you may have a business in you. You may have a book in you. You may have a movie in you. I don't know what it is, but I want you to listen to Michelle and just let yourself be inspired by how she just kind of followed one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And then boom, there she is. Here she is, Michelle Walworth. I eventually want to go back to childhood and everything, but like, what, okay. let's start. I'm going to get deep in there. No, but what do you, what, uh, let, let's just talk about the, the, the origin of your relationship to unhealthy food diet or, or just your own well-being, all of that? Sure. Well, I mean, I think for most of us, it all starts with our with our families. And mine was a really healthy family to grow up in, an Italian-Irish family, but Italian food dominated and we had home-cooked meals. And, um, and then growing up in the 80s, it was at a time where it wasn't really a great mentality for health for young women, but really for everyone. It was the snack wells and the Low, um, no bread, low carb, can't touch this, can't do that, really like suffering with yeah. food. And so I saw it. I kind of lived a little bit of it myself, got to college and became a health and women's studies major at University of Richmond and started to see these pieces to health that then contribute to the whole person. So instead of it being these isolated, I can't eat that, and I have to run this many miles and need to do this, it became, oh, there's all these contributing factors to what it yeah. takes to be healthy. So I loved being a health major. It was science-based, but then also preventive health and focus on all, what was going on in the world with health studies. So that was a really good foundation for health coming off of a family that was very attached to homeopathic medicine, Italian home-cooked meals, yeah. family time. Everything was central to to health, really. Did you have in your household, so I am 100% Italian, okay. so we had the benefit of the home-cooked meals, and uh, but we also had the other part, which you guys touched upon a little bit in Fed Up, which was in, in our Italian culture, it's like, you're going to eat everything, everything on, your, on plate. your plate. And I am still known to that day. I have not <laughs> unlearned on that. Like, I will eat everything on my plate and, <laughs> and everything on my next kids' <laughs> plates and everything. On my wife. Like if there is ever extra food, I'm eating it. And it's, it's, it's something that I'm now aware of. Um, and for what I do exercise a lot, I do have genes yeah. that I seem to burn it, but it's ingrained in me. So when yes. I watched the film, I was like, oh, that particular part, I identify with it. It becomes a part of your, for me, that's part yeah. of my identity. Yeah. And it seemed like with these kids, I mean, if you want to talk a little bit about like the, the fallacy of calories in, calories out. That was fascinating just to hear how the, it was all broken in, that that was just like a myth. Yeah. So I think um, what will help with the films for tracing the evolution of them when – so I became a mom at 25 years old started and started reading, learning as much as I could about preventive health and how to take care of the kids. 
when um, I had three toddlers under the age of four years old and we had so much plastic entering our life and I was starting to freak out. Like I knew enough in my research and what I'd been going to some um, environmental talks, seeing how much damage plastic was causing environmentally, but also on people's health, the amount of really poisons and toxins putting in your bloodstream. Started blogging, just sending it to friends. I definitely was sending it to Deirdre at the time. Back, back, back then. In. So you were, you were doing that when you were only, like when I met you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were I was blogging. blogging. Pass on the plastic was the name of it. It was so simple. I yeah. should have kept it up because I had hundreds of blog posts about alternatives to plastic. Um, it was so simple, but it was in 19... When, what was that? 2000. So that was like, In yeah. 2000, 2002, there wasn't a lot of blogging going on. And I was just, my husband was traveling a lot, working late. So I would sit at night and I would just, something I learned that day. When we had some successes in tech world and we had a little bit of extra money in the bank and we said, let's make a film. And it was called Tapped and it was about the plastic water bottle industry. And it was um, a whole investigation into what was going on with plastic and water bottles, fence line communities who were stuck living near that, the recycling uh, recycling plants, but also the petroleum plants where all the plastic was produced. And it was so disturbing. We, were the, we, we got so duped by the water bottle industry about how, where they pilfer the water from, What's going, the shelf life, how it just sits forever and no one cares about the degradation of the plastic going into the water. So that, that was a great film. It did well. It didn't make it to Sundance that year. Um, But Katie Couric picked up on it and loved how we were exposing at a grassroots level what was going on behind the scenes. She said to us, what is going on with obesity in America? I've been studying this for 20 years. 30 years since early in my career, and it's just getting worse. And everyone keeps blaming this and blaming this. So our film um, partner and director, Stephanie Suktig, who's just brilliant at research, was like, I have no idea, but I'll find out for you. And that began the story of Fed Up. And she it's all science and research-based. And that's where it led to this whole sugar nightmare that, again, we're being duped and the sugar's being slipped into everything and the marketing is insane what they're doing to hook people on sugar the science um the science will show rats lab rats will choose co- sugar, sugar over, over cocaine. cocaine yeah i saw that so you're so you're saying to our children from an early age including formula i mean formulas has sugar yeah that here let's hook them when they're young let's dupe them with the marketing and then we have them for life so that's the part that we just, I just, that really riles me up. I mean, I don't like being duped. I don't like our kids being duped. I don't like a whole society that's being duped and yeah. your choices are so limited. And um, so that's, that's been a big part of all of our Atlas films is what's going on that people aren't telling you and how are we going to get to the truth behind it Yeah, and share that. I mean, Sundance has been amazing for us. We've now had a few films at Sundance, and then you really get legs, and you really have a chance to tell the story. Yeah, and so so just touch a little bit on Under the Gun. So so Tapped, you did in 2009, Fed Up in 2014, Under the Gun, 2016, The Last Animals, 2017. Yeah, so just tell Devil, us a little Devil bit. Devil We Know was oh. um, about the Teflon industry with okay. Dow and DuPont. And when was uh, that? 
I've lost track of time too, okay. but it was it was right or, it was right before Last Animals, I believe. So all of those the the common thread is just what's going on in big industry and the American, really the international community, just being stuck with poor products. And I I highly suggest. So I have not seen all these films. Full disclosure. Uh, saw tapped i just highly suggest go check them out what i what i loved about tapped was it does take this you know it's it's like a it's a heavy topic it's done really well you know being in that world myself it's i know that execution is everything and what i really loved about it was well one you have the familiarity of katie couric's voiceover and her asking the in questions yeah and fed up and but also the just the the filmmaking was the, the music was great oh, the thanks. editing was great I, we the agree. I mean we it, can't take credit for the product Stephanie and no, the team no, did but a I'm just I'm job. just telling people just the overall to yeah. go see it yeah. because I think it's it's important but it's not precious that's yeah. what I like about the execution of at least that one. And I'm imagining that kind of must bleed into the others. Yeah, they're all it's relatable. Same, it's, all, it's the same filmmakers for the most part. Yep. Yep. Okay. It is. They're all relatable and they're empowering. You leave thinking like I can make a change today in my life and my family's life at my office that's going to change. That's going to be part of this story of changing how we've been duped all this time. So Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I don't even know if we were rolling at this point or if it'll be a part of the interview, but before we sat down, you're like, well, what, what are we exactly doing? And, and that, that's kind of the gist of this, which is, yes, I want to hear your story. The ultimate takeaway is how do we help anybody who's listening, who's stuck in their life, get unstuck. And what I love about what you're doing with the films is it's how do we help people empower people to to be healthier to to yeah. literally put years onto their lives and yes. their kids lives yes and and it really is it's it's eye opening it's almost like as i was watching that i was like god this seems like michael clayton you know the the clooney movie mm -hmm. where, where it's like a conspiracy theory cover up yeah. and it's almost so bad. But it is. Yeah. But it's so bad that you're like, come on, really? I know. And it, it's crazy that the whole, just just how I every know. time somebody was a champion against it, how the, the companies, Came. the big corporations would come and shake their hand and get involved with them and then water know, down it, the- It like, creeps me out. And it's water just, down the message yeah. and, and kind of- it, it, it's it's fascinating. So we won't, you know, this it won't be like a, an hour long symposium on all the films. But but I do want people, if you're listening and you get to the end of this and and you dig what Michelle's talking about, I really, really, really suggest checking out the films, and you will you will walk away enlightened, and it definitely will get you thinking and talking around your own dinner table and, and making a change. So That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. think that's great. The thread that starts with the films that we, that started with the blog, that then the films then leads to Organic Crush is um, there's this health concept of body burden, and it's what you're putting onto and into your body can either weigh you down or lift you up. Every single day, you have a million choices to make, and they all contribute to your long-term health. So 
what you're going to learn in the films, what you're going to learn by walking into crush, what you're going to learn by educate. It's all you have to educate yourself, right? We can you can provide the podcast and help people get a step closer, but you you have to be willing to constantly be reading and learning and seeking out like the truth behind everything that's going on. Yeah. So that body burden, it's always on my mind. I'm like, how can I eliminate radiation in my house so that when the kids are sleeping, the Wi-Fi is not on and the cell phones aren't in their pockets and they're not getting radiated 24-7. How can I keep the chemicals out? How can I keep the food as clean as possible so that if we are traveling one day and you know over the weekend and we can't get a clean meal, we, it's okay because 80% of the week we were good to go. So that body burden is like is a buzz phrase in my head. And all the time I'm like, like troubleshooting it, like got to keep it low, got to keep it low. It contributes to lifelong health forever. That's really cool. Uh, because I think I do that. I think I do that. And, and particularly now with this podcast, cause I'm sitting down with people like yourself who are the whole, what I'm always thinking about is what am I putting into my brain, just like, what am I reading? Yes. What am I listening All to? Matters. I feel like I'm way more conscious of, of what material I choose to let into my brain. However, I don't think I do what you do. I'm not thinking about, oh, this is in my pocket. I, I'm, and I think I'm a semi-conscious per- person and I'm imagining people listening like I actually feel like I'm semi evolved in that way of thinking and choosing, For sure. <laughs> and yet I'm like a total idiot when it comes to that. I, I'm I feel so ignorant when I watch the movie. I was like, oh my god, I'm. Well, uh, I found I I found myself working backwards over the years. I really is a like deep, like upsetting question to me. Why are we getting so sick in society? What's happening? Why are so many people having health? troubles from early on in life. And like when you start to work backwards, you there actually are triggers and reasons why we're not that healthy in society. So yeah. we've just taken an approach to try to tackle it um, in, a, in a whole variety of ways. I mean, food is my favorite of all of them because I'm Italian yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it lets you just like enjoy the conversation about health all day long. But yeah, yeah we have to figure out what's going on. It's not okay that that we're as sick and society's as sick and people are struggling and yeah. So tell me about uh, Organic Crush coming about. I know you. It what was it 2015 when you opened your first store in Long Island. Yeah. Yep. And you have what four stores in Long Island? Correct. Just opened the one or, or four? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just opened the one in Richmond yep. this past weekend. This past weekend. Which was so cool because I'm like, you know, like last night I'm like- You're checking in on me. Yeah, I'm like checking in. And I'm like, one day ago or two days ago. And they're like, they just opened this thing in Richmond. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. The timing is like absolutely perfect. Yeah. Grand openings are super fun these days. <laughs> is that sarcasm or is no, that- No, it's it, the more you almost go on this like high from them there. Yeah. It's such a build up and so much fun to have- why organic wine being served and the presses in the store and newspapers yeah. and cameras going. Was it cool good. to be back at Richmond? Yes. And, and we're back regularly. It's a, um, we stayed really connected with the university. Okay. The, my bosses from college have become really good friends. My daughter just started school there. When did it become an idea for you to open a restaurant? Walk us through that. Okay. So... It actually goes back to when I was in college. I grad the night I graduated, I had a job with Reebok, working for their marketing department. Flew to the West Coast and traveled for nine months up and down the coast, marketing their DMX shoe at the time. That was their hot shoe, 
lived in hotels, lived like basically out of this um, Ford Explorer and van, saw like good living in California. I was like, oh, this is way better than what I see in New York. Um, (laughs) Cafes, smoothie and juice bars. And I'm sure it wasn't now California's exploded, but then there was just simple good stuff. Came back after those nine months, wrote a business plan to open up a smoothie and juice cafe. Oh, back Everyone then. kind of laughed at me. Like there was no money. There was no experience. There was nothing. I, I like, I could, I didn't even get a dollar from anyone. So saved that business plan for quite some time, went on to get a teaching degree, had kids, Kept the Italian roots going. Lot uh, cooked their whole cooked every every night. I mean, our big night out was probably with you guys for a th- thing of sushi. Like we never yeah. we did nothing except cook food for the kids. Occasionally go out to dinner. It was like those early years where you're just yeah. trying to figure stuff out all the time. Um, when the kids were teenagers, I was traveling, taking them to summer concerts, and a friend, my friend Fran, who had four kids, I had four kids, we had the teenage girls at the time, they were like 11 and 12, in the car, we were driving to Boston, D.C., just going to see these summer concerts, Taylor Swift in One Direction, very hot that summer. <laughs> so living on the road again, living in the car, and just like floor that we could not find a place to feed them anything. There was no place I could That's find That's absolutely to, true because, yeah, we on road trips, yeah, it's like McDonald's you, or yeah. Wendy's or— And this was back-to-back days. So then you just start to feel—you don't yeah. feel good. And then I—because I controlled their—my f- kids' food up until those moments, I was like—it was killing me to feed them chicken that had hormones in it. Yeah. And, I mean, our—, our Sort what we think is a funny joke now. We were like, we had a car full of hormones. We never should have been feeding them more hormones <laughs> from the slimy chicken from wherever it was. Right. So um, Fran had been a friend for many years, 10 years at that point. And I said, well, I've always wanted to open this restaurant. And I, this is just crazy. How could we not have any options? And she's like, well, I have a shopping center. Her hus- She and her husband are in real estate and has an abandoned restaurant. And I was like, okay, let's go see it. And the next day we were in there checking it out. It was like gross. It had been left abandoned by a Latin deli or something many, many, many months earlier. Yeah. Um, we're like, okay, we'll take it. We're going to do it. And then we were like, wow, what is, how are we going to do it? We don't know how to open or run or cook in a restaurant. We brought in a chef that we were really close with from another restaurant that we'd partnered in just from a um, behind the scenes place. Okay. And he got really excited. And that was literally how we started. We just we had three excited people then, <laughs> and we sat around a table sketching, drawing menus. Yeah. I mean, it, and then eight months later, it was like, well, we don't really know, still don't really know what we're doing. We have a chef who's really busy and has about five hours a week for us. Was he running other he restaurants? Had, he had two other restaurants. Two other restaurants. Yeah, two other big restaurants. And so how would you guys spend your days? What were the big challenges back then in that period what were the biggest, was it the design, what it was going to look like? Was it the menu items? Was it how do we get traffic here? Was it nobody cares about this concept? What were the things that, that really were you were up against? You know, we were so, we were so into, we were so passionate about what we were about to do. And because we... Because Fran and I were, weren't restaurateurs, we were like, we'll have everything on this menu. We'll have cold-pressed juices. We'll have smoothies. We'll have a gluten-free bakery. We'll have 
rice, chicken, and steak bowls. Oh, yeah, and we have to have salmon and shrimp because that's what we eat. And, I mean, the list was endless. Yeah. And we made a, a list for the chef that said you can't use any of these things. So he kind of looked at us funny, like no butter, <laughs> no lard, no canola oil, no mayo. Um, he's an outstanding chef, but he has cooked his he's own like, way. I'm, not, I'm a chef. I'm not a magician. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we were, then here's what you can use, 100% organic. And then we listed like every fruit and vegetable. Then we had the whole smoothie list. Then we had the cold pressed juice list. And so he would just like shake his head at us, but he was already signed on board. So he wasn't allowed to <laughs> leave. Like, oh crap. Why uh, did I get the hooked We, we didn't care at all about the design. We didn't even think about that. Yeah. We didn't care. We didn't think at all about who was going to come because we just knew we needed the food. Um, what were the other things I should have been thinking? <laughs> no, yeah, no, there's nothing that you should have been. I mean, we this just is, this were is like whole, powering through. But that's my whole point is just because I'm telling you, there are people that are listening because they write in all the time. And that that's what I'm always saying is like, you don't have to know how you're going to do it. We knew none of the answers. If you know why you're doing it, it was you'll figure out the how. And if you don't figure it out, you'll pull people in because you'll be so passionate. Yes. They'll figure out the how or they'll tell you, you know, you're, you're, they'll kind of pat you on the head and go, that's a really nice idea, but this is how we actually do it. 100%. And that was the the first location was such a playground for that. What got even funnier with that location, with this, with our first one, is we literally, we really didn't know what we were doing. We had the, we had the chef for about three weeks after the day we opened our doors and he's like, it was June. And he's like, I got to get to the Hamptons. My restaurant is just in dire need. And we're like, okay. So I was the juicer and the smoothie maker and the cashier and the manager. We also, we didn't, we didn't like take money to do this because we were just like, well, we're just going to reopen what's here. And if people like it, then I guess we'll figure that out. And if they don't like it, then no harm no foul. So we did everything ourselves. So I'd go in at three in the morning. No employees at that point? We or had, did you have a couple um, of people? Meredith, were- who's like the most delightful human being. I'd known her for years and she was helping run the front of the house. And um, she's still, she's the, the leader in the organization now, just everyone's training manager. Um, and we, tr- we had a couple, we tried a couple employees. Yeah. We tried. And by the way, so this is 2015, so it's four years ago. So how old, you have four kids. How old yes. are your kids at this point? At that point, they were probably like five, 10, 12, and 14. And were you pretty much there at the at that I location, was, like 24 seven, a yeah. little bit? The day we opened our doors, we, that, that first year, I, I lived at the restaurant. Yeah. We, we were smart enough to not be a bar or anything like that. We were, open 8 a.m. till 8 p.m., seven days a week, though. So those hours, you just, from 7 in the morning. I, so the beginning, we I'd have to go in in the middle of the night to make juice because on Long Island, not a single place served juice. We didn't have a cold, we didn't have a place to buy a green juice. So I was, I bought a little, we bought a little countertop machine, <laughs> yeah. the Norwalk. It was the best one out there, but it, it's very, very, very tedious. So I'd go in at three in the morning. I'd be able to make 16 juices by the time we opened. And then they would all sell out an hour later. And I'd like well up with tears and be like, oh my God, I have to come back at three o'clock in the Stop morning. Stop liking us Stop so liking much, people. <laughs> but how satisfying was that? They Like people liked it. So you, it. <laughs> how immediately, when you opened, what was the response? It sounds like 
people were in there pretty quickly. It was really, I mean, the Long Island community rallied in a heartbeat. They were just like, we've been waiting for this. Everyone on Long Island knows, you know, New York City and California, and they know there's access. We just didn't have it on Long Island. And to be 100% organic, it didn't exist anywhere. So we were saying to the community, like, we don't, if we don't have blueberries, it's because we couldn't get them organic. Like it's, we realize that at other restaurants, you can get whatever you want anytime. But if we don't have it, it's, we just, our vendor doesn't have it in January to have organic blueberries. So that was a, we had the most honest conversations from the beginning. We'd hang hang signs like um, lemon shortage in California. There'll be no organic lemons this week. But people then respected it. Well, that's what I was going to say. We it's almost like th- th- this is this is exactly why this whole podcast exists. <laughs> it's like ten thousand knows The gist is, it's like that seems like a problem that ends up actually having the customers feel like they're a part of your yes connection. The way you spun it, at least, it's like they were a part of your crisis and they were a teammate helping you overcome it. And then instead of you like hiding that fact and acting like it didn't exist, you put it front and center. And now they're in there going like telling their friends, probably you got to come to this place. They really care. You know, there was a lemon shortage last week. Like, you know, it's, it's a great example of, of taking, I mean, literally turning lemons into Into lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) It happened right there on Long Island. (laughs) It really, our, it really was that good. Like our customers. And then the, the people who you couldn't satisfy because you didn't get their meal out fast enough or all of those stories contributed to like every step of the evolution of our business. So we've, five How, years in, we've refined. Give us an example of, of one of those. Um, so when we first started, we had eight designated wraps, eight designated salads, and eight designated rice bowls. Our customers w- would say, well, I want that Austin chicken wrap, but I can't eat wraps, um, um, paleo, I need to have it over a salad. So I want those ingredients, but they have to be over a salad. And then, you know, I want that smoothie, but I can't do anything with sugar. Even, you know, it was a natural organic, it was an organic orange juice, but that's still can be sugar. Okay. So we'll make that with water or coconut water instead. So the whole menu now, five years later has evolved to be a very customizable when you come to your experience at, with the, um, with the host or the greeters, um, or the cashiers, they talk you through what your options are. And you can literally craft this organic menu any which way you want. You want that Austin chicken's our biggest seller, that Austin chicken. So you chicken. can build your own. And, you can build yeah. your own. But, but you can also get the pre, and you the ones the that pre- you guys have yes, designed. Yes, of course, yeah. like our highly recommended and yeah. all that. So the customers played a part in that. Um, Give us the names of your top five pain in the ass customer. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they don't exist. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, but that, we do that, have people who eat there three times a day, though. You do, and we do. Really? I mean, not everyone grew up in Italian households with a lot of cooking. So if you don't cook, where like, will they come in in the morning uh-huh. and and just get for the whole day, or will they come both. back in? Yeah, Bo- really? Yeah, both. I mean, it's tight-knit communities on Long Island, so you're not, you're driving maybe five to 10 minutes to get where you're going and you can run in and grab what you need pretty easily. Um, So how how soon after the first one was up and running, uh, when did you then decide to add locations? Then we did the Hamptons two years later because we spent time with our kids in Montauk in the summers and- um, 
it had been two years where I really hadn't seen my husband and the kids. And he was like, if you're, if you're going to do this business, you're going to need to open one. <laughs> around the corner. Around the corner from where I kitchen. live in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of a brilliant idea. So we opened yeah. um, in Amagansett, which is about 20 minutes from Montauk. And we had a eight to five work day, fed the Hamptons, and that went over like outstandingly well. Because again, it was just easy, quick, organic, clean, healthy food. Yeah. Um, and so that was two years. And then since those two years, it took us these last two years to work out these next three that we just opened. So negotiating leases, contracts, yeah. building out the spaces. So these last three just opened kind of back to back, but it they just were worked. like this, like June and July, right? June, okay. July, and okay. September. And what so. are the, all the <laughs> locations then? You have the first one was where? Um, first one was a town called Woodbury okay. on Long Island, then Amagansett in the Hamptons, then Plainview. On okay. Long Island, yeah. Then Roslyn, okay. And then Virginia. Our and wedding, then we have Rockville our wedding Center. Photographer, open. I think, was from Roslyn. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And then Rockville Center. And then Rockville Center will be in a couple months. Okay. And then Richmond. And then I saw with the Richmond store that you also have like a meal plan for. Do you have a meal? Is that? Did I get that <gasps> we, right? Is there we, a section of it that does like like. Uh, Prepared meals for students or anybody? Yeah, so not as defined as that. We can we have a like beautiful gourmet to go section where you can get tons of meals prepared, and we can deliver that to university and okay. people's meal plans and cool. cleanses and stuff. Do you have plans in the works for something like that with Organic Crush, where you would do like a massive kind of push of of meal prep? Yeah, plans so. The, so such a big compliment to us over the five years, customers ask us to do everything for them. They want us to be their solution for everything. That's like, that's a great ego boost. Like we feel good that they think we're their solution. What, what we, what we forced ourselves to do is right now to focus on building community stores. The, it's a satisfaction from, for our side of it. When you build a community store and you have those people coming three times a day and their kids come and you have, we have a lot of people who are dealing with cancer who come and where they're clean food source. We have a lot of people with allergies following. We have a lot of people who follow keto or paleo or vegan, vegetarian, and they can come to us for their customization. Um, right now, that's what we're there to solve. So we think we can do, I mean, almost the way someone like Starbucks someone at the massive, amazing company Starbucks has done, they just, you can open enough of them to satisfy enough communities yeah. and start to be a part of the health journey. We, we're a part of people's health journey. We're one part of it. Yeah. They have to learn. We're, and we do that by educating when they come in the store and by making it simple and easy for them to eat really good, delicious, organic food while they're on the run. The rest of it, they have, you, people have to take charge of their health themselves. Yeah. Meal plan and delivery, it would... It would veer me off the course of community building yeah. because then I'd have to focus on subscription services and delivery and right. being in a, we have commissaries and they're, um, they're amazing from an efficiency. We just opened our first two big commissaries to produce at a mass level, but they produce the bone broths and the homemade dressings and the gluten-free bakery to, to deliver to each community store. Okay. So for now... It's community building. Yeah. It's that idea where speakers can come in like Don Saladino and um, chefs and doctors and people can come in and talk to the community about here's what you do to stay on this 
health journey and stay on this path. Yeah. And that's like a pride point for us. Like we think so, we're part so, of it. So situations like that, is that just something that you give to the customers or do people like buy tickets to go listen to Don Saladino no, at the just store? Come, yeah. just, we just, just have people put, come yeah, in Yeah, we and put doing... out food and organic wine and green juices and it's a whole, you know, they can sample anything. And then Don speaks and um, just that's shares really his wealth great. of knowledge and yeah, really good. Yeah. It's, it, it's such, a, I love the kind of holistic approach of that you're not just serving people meals. It's a, it's a whole lifestyle. It it's is. a whole yeah. belief system. And that's the reward. That's why it's rewarding because you're hearing people's like before and after stories and their healing stories and their you changed my life stories. And, yeah. you know, you get, when you hear that on a day to day, it's, it's just, you can't really replace that with anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go, let's go back for, and you, Michelle, like, first of all, did you see yourself when you were a kid? What did you, did you think you would be an entrepreneur? Did you think, did you see this or was this not really on the horizon? Like, like hmm. what, what were you in, and I don't know, sports were you? I was a sports? gymnast, gymnast, soccer player. Yeah. Deirdre and I ran many a soccer field. Yeah. Um, but did you, did you play at College? Richmond? Mm-mm. No. no. Um, and she no. always says like th- how smart you were, but that you were like <laughs> very, like a great student, but not it really like, like, like not calling attention to the fact that you were a great student. You just really were good, but you kind of like- <laughs> I just, I worked hard, s- played hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But did you like, so, so you, you, what is it? Five Five of you, five sisters. Five, yeah, I have four sisters. So you, five it's of you us. and Good four memory. others, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, where are you? You have a twin sister. I have a twin sister. We're and the oldest. The oldest, and then a sister How? who's less than a year younger. Okay. So there's three of us born within a year. Wow. Irish Catholic, Irish Italian. How Catholic. does being the oldest play into like your role in the world? Like, were you guys the caretakers of the younger sisters? Kind of. Did you take on a yeah, well, definitely that, but um, we, I think we watched my parents work really hard. They were teachers, and my dad went on to start um, summer camps and day camps and um, run run programs within the schools he was at that really boosted the business for the schools, and my he and my mom worked really closely together, and they, I mean, the work ethic was just, we were, they were really hardworking. They were grinders. Yeah. yeah. And they were really spiritual and they really cared about health. So it was like this good trifecta of here's a great way to live. You know, they were, they were, they were super focused on bettering our family, bettering themselves, um, bettering our lives. I mean, we grew up in a cute little town, West Hempstead on Long Island, but they were, they just were always going to work hard. And I mean, still to this day, there's, they, my, they just retired, but my dad already went back to work. That didn't last very long. Really? Working with kids and Was he school. a headmaster? Yeah. Or okay. Headmaster That's for years I, I, and years. Yeah. And, and then we were a part of all their businesses. So running the day camps, that was our, that was our job from the time we were 10 to 21 years old. Like what roles? Um, lifeguards, teachers, administration. I mean, anything he needed. We were, were you it was thinking, a business. Were you thinking or were you just going and clocking in and it was like mindless or did, was some of that, did it end up being training for what you're doing now? Well, if I you think that training is just the passion that my parents had to do what they were doing. So yeah. everything was 
connected, right? So I didn't, I had a very connected upbringing where you did things because they mattered for the, for, they, you did them for a reason. You didn't just do them to, just to make money or just to right. prove something or you did it because it mattered to the, to a child or to a group of people. And um, yeah, I do occasionally think about how lucky that was to grow up with that kind of mentality where, you know, every action you're taking is just part of your bigger yeah, like I, I think, you know, I interviewed someone last night and and she's a successful entrepreneur who I started to say, like, my theory as I talk to more and more people, you, you sit down and you talk with someone who's an entrepreneur and they're like, oh, my, yeah, I started my first business. I was 25, 27, whatever it was. But when you start to really ask them questions, like they ended up, they had a paper route when they were 12 or yeah. they were, they had a website when they were I don't know. It, it always seems to me that whether they knew it or not, in some way they were being groomed for this, what they ended up stepping into. One, uh, they just totally. didn't realize it at the time. Yes. I mean, you can, those real life experience, I don't, you can't get them any other way. Our kids have all had jobs since they were 12 years old. They had to start getting paid a paycheck in some form. And because you can't, re- having a boss, having peer relationships, having to report someplace on time, having to you know, make sure you go to bed on time to wake up to the alarm clock. All those things really do contribute to yeah. your skill set. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. at 21, did we have the jobs that were going to determine who we are at 40, you know, mid 40s? Pro- no, no, but it contributed. Well, I always think of like you, when we hung out back then, which we were, you know, in our 20s, didn't you and Mike have like, the 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 memory I have, didn't you guys have like, a lot of like seemingly random jobs before you kind of settled yes. down. Yes. And and I think so many. That when you, you like at that time you probably didn't see it. Like you said, you were going down the the California coast working for Reebok. And did did he work with you for that? I, I for some reason he I have in my head that he worked for like Nike or um, something. I don't, he joined the Reebok that? tour like six months after I okay. did, but he was stationed in the Midwest. Was he a trainer? In the Midwest. Or something? And then he became a after a that. Like, didn't he have like a random yeah, I feel like you guys I, I remember being like oh, so they, much random. It was like all this like randomness, but when you put again, when you put it together you kind of learn a little bit about this from here and a little bit about that from here. Yeah. And then you and put I it together. And I love that on the podcast you did with the Australian woman who- the Sue lead, Hollis. Sue Hollis. And she said, like, you think it's better if you could choose and pick every one of your life experiences, but what a nightmare that would be. Because all the things you've been doing your whole life actually lead to be yeah. who you are each each year and each step Even, of it. Even and maybe especially the bad ones, the one, the quote yes. bad ones. Those yeah. are the ones where you, I, I think you learn, you know, you either, either you learn what not to do or yeah. what you don't want to do. Yes. You know, again, the woman I sat down with last night, she went and worked as an investment banker and she, she was like, I hated it. Uh, and then, but she said, but then when I went into my own business, I spoke that language and I could speak to investors in that language, yes. and that helped me raise all this money. Yes. When other people that were doing what I were as creative as I couldn't was couldn't do it. Yeah. And she's like, I hated it while I did it, but she learned a skill set, and th- that's that's kind of the vibe. And then one thing I just wanted to touch on was like my my memory of you and and Mike as a as a couple was like very you dated in college. Yep. Um. I remember like a, a 
letter on the, like a framed letter or something on okay. your wall in your okay. apartment that he wrote to you that was like a completely heartfelt <laughs> that like, that, that was like, it was like a really like cool, I was like, I like this dude. Like this guy oh. is. <laughs> well, he was an English major. Yeah, yeah. And so was I. He has so, a great ability So to basically write. I'm saying I, I like it. myself through Mike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, On our wedding like he day, was... he surprised me at the altar. He, the, the priest read the note that he had written about two souls coming together and it was really touching and and it is amazing over 20 years of marriage you have to keep reminding oh, yeah. <laughs> yourselves as couples what that like yeah. how you you know what what it really was that brought you together and keep working towards it yeah so lucky yeah. so good but that's something that's like it's it's cool to watch the evolution of of both of you and also to think about your parents when you're talking about your parents um, now this, I, I didn't know. I asked you, did your parents both came from big families? Uh, my dad Huge had family. 14 brothers and sisters. My mom had three brothers and sisters. But. Cause there was the thing that I saw the, the Colgate picture yes, of crest. that was your dad's yeah. or crest. Okay. Your yes. dad's family. Yes. It was, like, it was like 20 of them or something with bright, bright smiling teeth or yes. Yeah, they had, they, Crest hired them. They lined up the 15 kids in their tennis whites. They were ages zero up to the kids were born one year apart. So they're age zero to 15. The kids were lined up in their tennis whites. And the tagline said, if it weren't for Crest, we'd be running to the dentist every 15 minutes. Yeah. It aired twice. And then Planned Parenthood did not approve of it <laughs> and yanked the commercial. <laughs> but I'm just thinking of that and the family aspect. They both came from big families. You come from five of you. I don't know what Mike's siblings- Four of them. Four of them. You have four kids and now you create these- restaurants that oh, are yeah. family community oriented. Yeah. And then when I ask you, oh, do you think about meal plan? Your answer is that would be cool, but that would take me away from my thing, which is community yeah. bringing together. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's important also for people to hear just, you know, you can't do it all. Yeah. You, if you go and do the meal plan, you're not going to be as good at the family Building thing. The community. And you, you kind of picked your main punch. Yeah. I think for now we did. And that's a really good like tie in there. Yeah. I think we really like being around people. And I really like when the story about health starts from pregnancy or from childhood so that those little kids coming in when we do smoothie workshops to teach them what's in it and sample juices, green juices with them. And when they, you know, when they get a say in what they're eating that's healthy that night for dinner, that's the, that is the really the rewarding part. Yeah. So yeah, it must tie into the childhood I think mentality. So. I think it's like, you, you know, you're in, in some way like, you know, I feel like I'm, you're on a couch and I'm, deep. I'm, I'm a therapist <laughs> I here. feel like I need but it. it so. <laughs> but it's, but it seems like in some way it is, it's like recreating some version of what was cool about your childhood, yeah. which was that, you know, family together, Authentic for yeah, and and for a purpose, like you said, it wasn't about making money for money's sake. It was about like having a, a reason, a higher purpose. Yeah. yeah. Um. Any moments, you know, whether it was with Organic Crush or, um, I just I have to ask this because a lot of times I get to the end end of the interviews and people are like they're like they'll tell me like some tragic thing at the end or I'm like well you could have mentioned that you know like 42 minutes ago but any moments where it just felt like it's it maybe it was at the restaurant where you're just like I'm in over my head 
I don't know if this thing is going to work. Um, you know, any moments like that, or, or maybe it was a, I don't know. And, and you also don't have to answer this, but I mean, maybe it was a, a scare with the kids or anything that kind of like, where you felt like, holy cow, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Uh, I would say, I mean, I'm almost 44 years old. I have four kids. We've been through a lot with the kids, whether it was little health scares or just raising kids, right? It like never ends. How much is comes up in their life. Business has, I mean, Mike's always had an intense business life. And so I've seen a lot of um, the mentality it takes to power through. To do what he does. To do what he does. By the way, Mike is, is an entrepreneur, very successful in the tech yeah, world. Is building that accurate? Teams in the tech and, world yeah. and, and, and beyond kind of, right? Yeah. Tech, I mean, tech yeah. is the right place to say it. Um, I... I would say that probably you always feel like you're, I mean, there were so many nights in the beginning with Organic Crush that were you just like, what, how am I going to do this? Like, I have to make the juice, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I have to hire people. I have to not have any kind of lawsuit slapped against me for blah, blah, you know, food poisoning, which has never happened, but, you know. You you have, I think you bear the weight of, of of everything that could go on in business all the time. It's not just making smoothies and food and juice. It's, there's a lot of things that go into it. And then you have the like the part of it where you're just driving forward. I mean, like, no, but I know this is what I'm meant to do. So I if I get lost in the what ifs or if I get lost in how tired I feel or that I didn't have a great day or that the sales don't look great that week, then you're going to forget the why. And we, I never doubted my ability to power through. I did doubt whether I could sustain what I was doing, if I could handle it all. And at that point I got enough good advice, whether it was from my husband or people around me, like you have to hire some people who know how to run P&Ls. You don't have to do that yourself anymore. You have to hire a chef who can lead this kitchen. That's not for you to, you know, people yeah. just said, P&L, profit and loss. Yeah. I had I, to learn that four I had to years learn ago. That too. I think it was in an interview. I was like, ah, uh, P&L, yeah. hey, profit and loss. I like, yeah. uh-huh. had uh-huh. to learn that very recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, you, you feel like you have to do it all. I think in many businesses, it's really important to do it all in the beginning. I could, there's not a single topic in my business that I can't dive deep on, but I don't have to do it all at this point. And that became, I'm very fortunate that I got the wisdom and advice and the encouragement to let some things go and, and start to hire in and, um, and, and take the risk of bringing other people on. And, and that, that really was the, that's why Organic Crush will be successful, like bringing on the people who know what they're doing and the, and yeah. the, you know, I'll, I'll lead the mission do you feel like at this point it's kind of it's become uh an entity unto itself that regardless like it's it's going it's moving there are enough people behind it now that like you could go okay it's go I mean obviously you still have to be that driving force behind it and your business partner but do you feel like you've passed that threshold where you're like okay this thing is just going to keep. You want the honest answer, right? Yeah, the honest answer. Um, you have nightmares no. every night. Yeah. It was really hard to open these last few. We thought 
because we had four years under us that our our authenticity would carry through, it's really hard to scale. It's the the commitment that's needed and the like thick skin and the you have to be thinking now of how to translate what we believed in to, to communities that really didn't know you before. Because Virginia is a lot different than yeah. Long Island. And then I think we have maybe like 180 employees now and how you trickle down to them all the things that matter so much to us. The eye contact, the friendly greeting, the why we use organic, why we have um, uh, uh, recyclable paper product, all the things that mattered that was so easy for me because I saw the customers every day. How do you translate that on a bigger scale? And a week ago, we I said to my COO, who's amazing in my operations team, like, I'm not happy. This does not feel anywhere near what I wanted it to feel like. And so then it was like we we made an operations plan. We called it Operation Spread Love. And everyone is going, we are going nuts right now, getting ourselves back aligned with what this was about to scale. Because you can, it's, it's like exciting to scale and the grand openings are so fun. Yeah. But then what it takes to make the store and the customer feel the way we always intended them for feel is a whole nother ball game. So yeah, this sounds like my life. It's like you do, you have like a premiere and you get love that night. Yeah. And then like, you're like, <sighs> okay, now I'm back home. I'm like, what's that? Are people watching the show? Are people, you know, like, what, right. you know it's what I mean? Not- it's, it's like, there are these emotional highs and then there are the day to day, or even with the podcast, like, you know, I think about, what you were saying before about being tired and pushing through. And I don't know if you feel this, but there are sometimes like this, as you could, if you spend like 10 minutes with me, you'll be annoyed because I'll talk about the podcast all the time because I'm crazy about it right now. I just like, I I really love it, but it's, but it's this, basically I, I dumped an entire new career on my lap. (laughs) On top of like my career and my family and everything. And there are days when I'm like, it's really cool. I love it. You know, I told you when we sat down, I'm like, I was, you know, I'm on the East Coast. I'm blah, 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 blah. But then there are days when I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, you, like th- this is a whole lot of work and responsibility yeah. that you dumped on your own lap. <laughs> like, just go let but you sip a margarita. Not, but you like, couldn't sip, not do it. I couldn't. So I couldn't. that was where but like- there, But there are those times, yeah. like you said, like you're getting up at three in the morning to go, maybe you're not now, but you were getting up at three in the morning to go do the juicing. You're like, what am I doing? I could be like home sleeping and like, I'd be fine if this didn't exist, but that's not how it works. It's a calling, I think. It yeah. sounds for you similar to me with 10,000 no's yeah. where it's like, you didn't necessarily choose it it chose you. Yeah, that that might be the perfect way to say it. Like I couldn't not do it. You couldn't not do it. It would. Yeah. I'd I'd suffer in some way if it this wasn't what my, my yeah. what my mission was right now. Yeah, and then I love that you're saying like it's because from the again from the outside, even though this is what I now do is sit down with people that once I look behind the curtain, I know that it's never as easy as it looks. Even with that, I'm like, well, they've got four stores up. They opened the other one in Richmond. It looks pretty good from the outside. Like it must be like, they're just rolling and they're going to go pop, 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 pop and keep opening them. It's, I appreciate your honesty in saying like, no, we had to do operation spread love. Like we're, it's not up to snuff. And that's a lesson of, you know, 
you look at other people and you go, oh, why is, why is that person up there? Why are they getting, but, but what you don't know is that up there means that they have probably a lot more headaches than you. That's why they're up there. They're, it's not like it goes away. In fact, yeah. it gets probably like more Yeah, well, I think it's important water. that we all refuse to, like, I'm not going to compromise what the vision is. Same for you, right? Like you, if what you're putting out there, you're not going to, you're going to put it out there, but you're not going to stray from how strong the mission is to do something great. When you do your little riffs and you do it just you and you're like, who wants to hear that? But people do. You committed to doing something. I committed to doing this. I committed to spreading organic food in as many places as I can. So I'm not going to stop, but I'm also going to take minutes to reflect on what that means and how I'm going to do it that aligns the most closely with with who I am and what we stand for. The you know, opening a million organic crushes and not having it feel the way I wanted to feel when you walk in the door isn't an option. Yeah. It has to. Well, this is actually the perfect opportunity to shout out to Words Matter, yes. the huge political podcast. We are in their studios in Manhattan right now. And I bring it up. So thank you, Adam Levine, producer of Words Matter. But also I bring it up because Adam comes from the journalistic world on the highest level, worked in in the White House with the press, like worked on Hardball with Chris Matthews. And he and I, he's been kind of tracking me and we've been kind of going back and forth because he likes what I'm doing with the podcast. His, this may not even be in the episode you're hearing people because Adam wants to take it. He wants to tighten everything. He basically (laughs) wants to tighten it all up. And, And there is this, and I don't know what the right answer is, but we've had this back and forth where he's like, it's gotta be tighter, it's gotta be this. And and I'm like, no man, that's not, that's what you do. I don't know if that's what I do. And he disagrees, but I have a very strong opinion. Yeah. And all I have to go on right now is my instinct. Yes. And I'm open, but I'm also kind of, holding fast to what I believe is special about the show and the way I do it, which might not be, you know, I interviewed someone yesterday, she's won nine Emmys as a newscaster. And I was like, I'm really nervous to talk to you because you're probably judging me, you know, and she probably was, but she was cool. But, but it's like, this is mine. This is the way I do it. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's like, if you lose that, if 10 years from now you have a hundred organic crush Yep. locations and you walk in and it's like dead for you is that a success yeah no yeah no so it it really is important i think that's like it's it's like following the string of inspiration and then keeping that string of inspiration alive which is similar to we were saying with a, a long marriage it's the same kind of thing yeah it's like how do you do it and keep it and keep it so you're like, if the line is right here that you're, you can go, off. it can go over and cross over it has and get to. off. Yeah. Yeah. It will naturally. Like it's not going to be hunky dory 24 nope. seven for, you know, six decades. That's just the deal. But how can you stay close to it? And I think it applies to business as well. I Agree. think it applies to everything actually. Agree. You I know? think if you're lucky enough to be an entrepreneur and have the wits about you to do it, then you have to always rein yourself back into the course that you're meant to be on. And it has to, we can, we can be, we can learn how to read P&Ls, <laughs> but authentically it has to feel really good at a gut level and instinctually, like you just said, that you're doing 
what you had really planned to do. Yeah. And for the record, Michelle and I are very good at reading P&Ls. Very good. I've never actually seen one. <laughs> no? <laughs> so. I'm not going to be your teacher. I'm not that good. <laughs> um, so let me, let me, uh, I want to I end with, first of all, thank you for being, I want to end with, some, with three questions that I ask everybody. Okay. Um, I'm kind of mad that you've been listening because now you're probably prepared, but. I'm not like the, that though. Good. I'm, I'm instinctual and good, I haven't good, been good. planning. No planning. So, the word no actually means what to you? The word no means gosh, it doesn't really mean that much to me. I mean, uh, it's this isn't like a me too comment. A no, no, no. <laughs> I always think that when I'm asked that, I'm like, because that this means a, a lot to me. Yeah, I'm like, this is a bad question. This is like, <laughs> if a guy's answering, yeah, that means a lot yeah, to me. If that a guy is answering, and they're like, no means yes. You're like, oh, that's not good for them. Yeah, I mean, no, if you no, told I mean, a mom in the, in the, of four young, of, if you told a mom of four young kids and no restaurant experience, you know what? What was everything was saying? No, you're not really capable of doing that. Um. Those kind of no's or negativities don't, they just don't really apply it. I don't know if it's because I grew up in a family where it was full of, you know, positives and yes, and just, you know, take charge yourself. But it, no, no doesn't mean it's not a dead ending. It's not a stop. It's a, it's a, how can I circumvent that? How can I get around it? How can I yeah. think of my way to do it? Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. That's, um, when everything falls apart, things seem like they're just like getting away from you. Do you have a go-to mantra? Anything that you fall back on that, that kind of helps you through? Um, I, I do find myself getting into meditative places in the morning and trying to set the tone for the day. I, the, the man, mantra has to do with... Um, Trusting that the universe has us, has me, right where right where I belong, and and using, um, yeah, I think that's really it. I think it's trusting that I am where I belong, and 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 but then using like I've I've got a skill set, I've got my wits about me, I have a work ethic, align those things and put them to keep marching forward like accomplish a couple small things each day because they, they do add up to the bigger thing. Working backwards into that bigger thing, I, that's, it's kind of been the philosophy for this business. I know what I want to do. I'm going to back my way into it with these little steps every day. That's cool. I like that. So last question, if you could give advice to your younger self, what age would you intervene and what would the advice be? Um... I think it would be for my teen girl years, teen, you know, younger teen girl years. I think where it was, it's a, I think a lot of women might say this, but I was really, really hard on myself that you had to look and be a certain way. And I don't think it's at all productive. I think it, it, um, it'd be a mentality I'd love to change at a grand scale, but I think there's there's really not a place for ever being hard on yourself for how you how you look or how you for how, for how you look. And I think it's always about working towards improvement and 
growth and the things that satisfy you. But I think being hard on yourself at those young years, I would have loved to say, okay, take a break. This is, this makes no sense. Yeah. Great advice for any teenager and none of them will listen to it. I know, shoot. <laughs> no, but that's the, yeah, the, 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 the trap of that question is like, know. everybody has great advice. And I'm like, yeah, that, that kid's never going to listen to you anyway. They're going to be like, get out of here. Yeah, you it's know? so true. But I think because when, when you get to your mid, early mid twenties, you're like, okay, at least like, I think most of a lot of us, you feel connected to what you're doing. It's just those early years where you're just I think so that's the beauty of aging, aging is yeah. that you feel more, oh, I'll say for myself, I don't know how everybody experiences it. I feel way more comfortable in my own skin now than I did say when we were hanging out, even yeah. in, in, even in my twenties, yeah. definitely than my teens. I mean, definitely than, you know, yeah. junior high it's yeah. like you're you're just so worried about everything and now you get older and you go like yeah this yeah. is for better or for worse this is kind of it's kind of me yeah <laughs> you know I like know. maybe and you the don't sooner like you get like, there the it's, life is so good it's much better so be yeah. so much better yeah. you can you like stop thinking two steps ahead of yourself and you're just in the moment and enjoy the people around you and yeah yeah well Michelle Walrith, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was awesome to catch up. I'm coming and, to Cali really soon. Cool. Good, good. Yeah. We will hang there. Thank, thank you. you for all that good talk. Yeah. Okay, top three takeaways. Here we go. This is always my uh, toughest part of the episode because there are way too many takeaways. I have to pick three. It almost feels arbitrary, but this is what I got. Number one, the organic path, and yes, pun is intended, the organic path from natural interests and beefs, like a beef with the, the food industry or the plastic industry or, you know, the, the, the bottled water that, that they dealt with in tapped, um, the natural interest in protecting your kids and how that can lead to an entrepreneurial pursuit or any pursuit for that matter. If you're an artist, it's, it's, you have a point of view and want what I love about this conversation today, and I really think is a takeaway, is business doesn't have to be, as Michelle said, P&L sheets. It, it's not this, this kind of sterile thing. It's personal. It's personal, and you're just you're taking it to the world. So assess what you think about things. Take that and then... Maybe there's a way to fill a gap that's not being filled, that's, you know, serve people that are not being served, um, solve a problem for yourself that is probably a problem for other people. And there you go. You have a business. That's number one. Number two, it's never a waste of time if you have a great idea that you're passionate about. Now, maybe Michelle wrote her business plan 20 years ago and, and, you, you know, she did nothing with it seemingly at the time, but it was still an idea. It was baking in her mind that whole two decades or whatever it was. I don't know if it was quite two decades, but it was a long, long time. And it got more specific after her experience of having kids. And I, I just, I think the lesson here is stop beating yourself up for not being where you want to be right now. If you love it, if you love something, there's no shelf life. You can, you can get to it. You may not get to it right now. I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are and where you are in your life, but 
just because you can't accomplish something right now doesn't mean you have to extinguish that dream. And I think Michelle's story is a perfect example of that. You know, had she done it when she wrote the business plan, the business may have failed. It may not have served as well. Maybe it was more, you know, uh, selfish when she was only in her 20s or right out of college. And then as she, you know, matured, it became more about giving for her kids and then for the community. So stop beating yourself up. Number three, uh, lack of experience led Michelle and Fran to try to offer way too many things on the menu when they were first opening the restaurant. Now, that could have sunk them, but they had an expert chef who bought into their passion and then gave them the how. So all they had, they knew what they wanted to do. They had a very clear picture of it. They could articulate that, but they didn't know how they were going to get there. You don't know, you don't have to know how you're going to get there. If you have passion, you pull people onto your side that may have the more, you know, specific knowledge of what it is that you need to do. You don't need to know how to do everything. You can get there. The main thing is passion, win people over and team up with someone who's an expert. Or if you are the expert and you're listening and you're a real details person, then maybe you want to hook on to someone who is is the the visionary and then you're the logistics person. It's just, you know, the opposite. Okay. Though that's what I have for you. We are we are done here. Michelle Walrath, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Uh thank you all for listening. Um Again, if you think that people will benefit from these conversations, please share this, tell your friends about it, put it on social media, text people, whatever you want to do. Just get the word out. We appreciate it. Uh, As I said before, iTunes reviews, as I said before, hats and T-shirts at 10,000knows.com. Remember the Amazon store, amazon.com slash shop slash Maddie Dell. You're already going to Amazon anyway. If you make that the way you go. Everything you do from there on in will kick back to the podcast and help us out. Obviously, if you're doing that for your kid's school, keep doing it for your kid's school. We'll be fine. And um, that's it. If you if you uh, subscribe to 10,000 Knows wherever you listen to podcasts, you won't miss any of these episodes when they come out every Friday. Um, if you want to learn more about Michelle, as I said, go to links in the show notes. And um, you also may want to check out the links to these other past conversations that I've had, which I think relate to Michelle. And basically, those are a gaggle of badass female entrepreneurs, uh, Susie Batiste, Paige Davis, Melissa Bernstein, who is the founder and CEO of Melissa and Doug Toy Company. Uh, the others, that's Poopery with Susie Batiste and um, Paige Davis, who is a cancer survivor. Uh, great conversation with her. There are many other uh, female entrepreneurs we've talked to. Go check out the uh, the website and you can, you can find them. And also Don Saladino, we mentioned him briefly. He spoke in one of Michelle's uh, 
Long Island locations, but he is uh, a guy who trained Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds and uh, a bunch of other um, big Hollywood stars. And I had him on the show. And uh, so that might be a good crossover for you as well. Join us every Friday for these conversations and the intermittent shorter solo riffs that I do on the themes of this show, resilience, reframing, perseverance, winning mindset for announcements and promo videos of who's next. You can follow me on social media. Those handles are at Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook, also on LinkedIn now. Uh, and you can email us at info at 10,000nos.com. That's 10000nos.com if you want to be added to our mailing list or with questions, feedback, or guest suggestions. Thanks again. Really appreciate the support. Thanks again, Michelle. And we will see you all next week. 